Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Now in verse 10 of our text, it says, Samuel, As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome by Israel. And the Lord, uh, the enemy, excuse me, he loves to attack when the people of God are worshiping. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Our scripture says, The Lord thundered with a loud thunder. God fought from heaven on behalf of Israel and defeated the Philistines. This was a special work of God because the Israelites heard the same thunder, but only the Philistines became so confused that they were overcome. God not only sent thunder, he also sent confusion to the Philistines and confidence to Israel. Those that are believers in Christ also receive this special protection from our God. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Waiting for it right now. We're seeing it in real time. Truth, folks. Truth is the battle. There are many things that are in, in play right now, but truth is a huge one. And you and I have the truth of God in our hearts, and we have it in our hands right now. Listen to the truth, obey the truth, love the truth, and share that truth. Share the truth. But notice, if they humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's what America needs, is we need to come back to God. We need to come back to God in our schools, in our universities. They have almost all given wholly over to liberalism. Every single one of them, and many Christian institutions that once used to be sterling examples of Christian conduct and character, have gone by the wayside. It's a flood, folks. It's really discouraging. But God. But God. That's why we need to pray. More ever than right now, we need to be praying. So please pray for our country. We are on the verge of something. We need to be praying. We need to be praying. So the children of Israel, again, uh, this is verse 8 again. Notice at the end of that, that he, that he may save us. Now that's interesting. That he may, really? He? That God may save us? Isn't that what they said in First Samuel chapter 4? Before they lost the ark, remember what they said? Put a little mark off to the next year Bible, 1 Samuel 4, verses 2 and 3. 
Because notice what they said earlier. Before they lost the ark, the Philistines put themselves in the battle array, and when they joined the battle, Israel was defeated. They, about 4,000 men of the Israel were killed, and when the people came into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? I got an idea. Let's bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, and when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. It may save us. You know the difference. They put so much focus on the ark. Oh, it's going to save us. Really? Is it really the ark that's going to save you, or is it the God of the ark? But notice what they said in this verse, at the last part of verse 8 here. He says that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. I think they learned that lesson. The ark, they put their faith in the ark, and the ark was taken. God doesn't, he doesn't, he will never be second player. He'll never be second He needs to be first on everything, on the altar of our hearts. Don't put anything or anyone on the altar of your heart but Jesus. If you have him on the altar of your heart, everything else works out just fine, including marriages. I've known people who have put their spouse on the altar of their heart. She's everything I wanted. Everything I want, I'd do anything for her, you know. And, and, you know, give her this and give her that. I bought her a house and this Lamborghini and, you know, I've given her everything. And she's there on the altar of my heart. It always ends in disaster. Always. God will see to it. Because no one should be on the throne of your heart save Jesus Christ. He alone. And let me tell you something. If your spouse tells you that they love you more than they love God, you better have a talk with them. You need to love God, both of you, separately, husband and wife. You need to love Jesus more than your, even your love for each other. And once you get that straight, then your marriage is going to work. Because now the expectation, if you look at your wife or your husband as the thing that you just always desired and always wanted, believe me, they're going to fail you. And once they fail you, you're going to get angry. And the problems just keep going from there. They just keep cascading. But put Jesus on the altar of your heart. Everything else must be subservient to that one thing, and then everything will go just fine. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Do you believe it? I believe it. And I've even understood it in practice. So therefore, I own that truth, and, don't, and you own it too. If you've done, if you experience that, you own that truth. Now, put it into practice in every other area of your life. That's what we should do, right? Because there's never, and the fact that they are now looking now to the Lord instead of just what the ark can do for us, they're actually moving forward. They're not sliding backward. And believe me, you are either moving forward with the Lord or you're sliding backward. There's no neutral. You can't just say, well, I'm just going to go on autopilot. As soon as you go on autopilot, you begin to regress. You begin to go in reverse. You begin to go backward. You begin to slowly backslide. And, oh, it's such a slow process. All it takes is, you know, I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like going to church now. I don't want to. Eh, I'll go there maybe once on, on Christmas. I'll go, I'll go on Christmas. I'll go on Christmas and Easter. I've got to go on Easter, for heaven's sake, you know. And why bother? At that point, your heart is so far away, you're just doing it to appease somebody. You're not appeasing God at all if your heart is not right in it. There's no neutral place. 
And so now they're moving forward. There is no neutral. You're either going forward or you're sliding back. Notice verse 9 now in our text. Samuel took a suckling lamb and he offered as a whole burnt offering of the Lord. And then Samuel cried out to the Lord of Israel, for Israel, excuse me. And then notice, the Lord answered him. The Lord answers. He loves, he delights in answering his servants. Especially his servants that are really loving him and walking in purity. It doesn't mean that when you make a mistake, God's not going to speak to you. He does. He's very gracious. Never misunderstand that. It's not legalism. God is not a legalist. He is a gracious God. There are so many instances in the Old Testament where David himself should have been murdered. He should have been, not murdered, he should have been put to death for his sin. But did God do that? No. David confessed and he broke like an egg. And God says, you know what, David, you're not going to die but your firstborn son is. You're not going to die. But there's always a consequence. And I love how Samuel took this suckling lamb and he offered as a whole burnt offering. I see in this a foreshadowing of what Jesus, what God would do to his own son. The spotless lamb of God taken, and he willingly laid down his life for us on that cross. The greatest act of worship that ever was experienced on a Roman cross nearly 2,000 years ago. Now in verse 10 of our text, it says, Samuel, As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome by Israel. And the Lord, uh, the enemy, excuse me, he loves to attack when the people of God are worshiping. I remember um, our first trip to Israel was in 2005, for me anyway. And I remember we were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it was around noontime. And uh, right, across the, right across the Kidron Valley there in the Garden of Gethsemane is the Temple Mount. And, of course, the minarets and everything are up there, and they're, they're singing their Islamic. It, it, doesn't, it sounds really ugly, I'll be honest with you. It just sounds like, uh, like a cat on a hot tin roof. It just sounds, we're sitting there, and we're having this Bible study. Pastor Jeff's having this Bible study. It's a really beautiful moment, and it came time for Kathy and I to lead the the group in worship, and we we start singing and worshiping, and all of a sudden you hear this racket going on, right? And I'm serious, it's just ugly. And, and, And it was so loud and overpowering us that I was tempted for one moment to stop. And I was singing, I'm like, Lord, what's, what's, the, what's the point? And I, I, I almost stopped strumming. He says, don't you stop. And I just kept going. I'm like, okay. We just kept going, and, you know, and their, their stuff stopped, and we continued. But the, isn't that wonderful? But God will be on your side, and the enemy loves to attack when the people of God worship. We saw that in Israel's history in the Yom Kippur War, remember, in 1973, from October 6th through the 25th. The enemies, the Syrians, they came from the Golan Heights, and they came down from the north, and Egypt came from the south in the Sinai Peninsula, and they were going to wipe Israel out on their, the most holy day of their, of their calendar. It was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It was a day where they did nothing. They caught them by surprise, and they did it on purpose because they were all you know, relaxing with their families, celebrating with their families. And by the way... It didn't work so well for the Syrians and the Egyptians because once they got into those 
tanks once they got into those jets. The war was over, and they pushed them way back. They pushed them way back from where they had come from. And God was always going to take care of his people. He'll take care of you because you're his people too, right? We're his people. He's going to take care of you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. Notice that the Lord thundered upon them with a loud thunder, you know. Uh, remember Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 10? What did she say as part of her prayer? She said, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. Well, what, isn't that amazing? He's doing that very thing right now. And was it the first time that God did that? No, it wasn't. We remember back in Joshua chapter 10. When these five kings had come against the Gibeonites, whom Israel had made a pact with. And so Israel goes out, and remember, that's the time when the sun stood still for an entire day. It's never happened before, and it'll never happen again. God said, I did it once. And it baffled everybody. Even the astrologers, all those people who study that stuff, they know that it happened once in the history, and it changed things. And God did that, all because Joshua said, Lord, we need more time to vanquish the enemy. And the God says, I'll give it to you. You need more sunlight? No problem. I'm just going to hold that thing there. He didn't even have to put his hand on it. He says, be still. See you in a little while. <laughs> I love that about God, don't you? It's, it's, it's a fool's errand to go against God. And what happened that day? It says that as the enemy was fleeing before them, uh, that as they were on their descent from Beth, of Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. And there was more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. God with us. I love that. Emmanuel, God with us. Love that. And when the men of Israel, back in our text, verse 11, went out to, of Mizpah and they pursued the Philistines, drove them back as far as Beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen. This place called Shen was more like an outcropping of rock probably. It's not really known exact where it is. But he noticed that um, Samuel called the name of that stone Ebenezer. For thus far has the Lord helped us. That's why we sing, here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come. The hymn tells us exactly what that word means, Ebenezer. When I think of Ebenezer, I think of Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer, Ebenezer, in your heart there dwells a freezer. That's what I think of when I see Ebenezer. But it's a stone of help. And, and, and he put that there as a remembrance of God's victory. Because earlier in chapter 4 we saw that they fought at Ebenezer, but this was a different place called Ebenezer. And they got beat pretty bad, but now they have victory over their enemies. And Samuel puts this stone, and he called it the stone of help. He called it Ebenezer. And so the Philistines, verse 13, were subdued, and they did not come any more into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Remember, when Saul came into the picture, he had some scourge, he had some problems with the Philistines, but they, they, were, they were pretty much subdued. They were more like just gnats flying around your head, so to speak. They weren't as big of a problem, but they were subdued under Samuel. And finally, and ultimately, under the reign of David, we know that they would be vanquished completely, and they'd be put into submission and destroyed. And so we know that that ultimately did come to pass. So verse 14, it says, The cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were, were restored to Israel 
from Ekron to Gath, and Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel, notice, and the Amorites. The Amorites were another perennial enemy of Israel. But notice there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. In Proverbs 16, verse 7, I love this verse. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know, there's something really wonderful and gentle about a child of God who is not acting all haughty and acting like they've got it all together, walking around with their chest stuck out, you know, being really proud and arrogant. But there's something wonderful about a child of God who's just real. They're not trying to put on airs. They're not trying to be anything. They're just humbled, but they're truthful. Tell you what, those are the, you're the type of people that people are going to come to when you act that way. Nobody likes to approach somebody who thinks they've got it all together, that their head is full of helium. Nobody wants to be around a person like that, but a real child of God who's real, and they understand that the nature, the old nature, they're dealing with it themselves. Man, you can really hang out with somebody like that because you feel like, man, I, why, why is it that I feel so comfortable around you? I can't put a, my finger on it. What's, what is it with you? Well, it's because of Jesus. He's changed my life. He wants to change yours too. That's why you feel comfortable. It's because a part of God is in me that's shining forth and you're seeing it. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that really what it's all about? God using you. You're just a vessel that he can use. I love that. Let your life be a light. Let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and they're going to glorify you. No, they're going to glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That's always a good thing. Deflect anything to him. It's all for him. It's all about him. Amen? We see the same thing with Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, and Cyrus, and Darius. Daniel, this wonderful character of a man. Here he is in captivity in Babylon. And this wonderful character of his, and his devotion to Jesus, it ends up getting Nebuchadnezzar saved through a series of events and through Nebuchadnezzar watching this man above all the soothsayers and all the diviners and all the weirdos in his kingdom. He looked at Daniel. He's like, there's something about this guy. I just, I really like him. Everyone else is trying to lie. They're lying to me. They're fooling. They're playing games with me. But this guy, he's more holy than I am. I see something about him, but he's humble. He's not arrogant. He's real. He isn't, he's not looking for the limelight. And he was promoted And even after the Medes and the Persians came against Babylon, Darius the Mede says, Daniel, I like you too. I'm going to keep you on my staff. And then when he passed from the scene, Cyrus the Persian came. I'm going to keep you on staff. really like you. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with them. Verse 15, we're coming to the end here. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel. And Bethel, uh, remember, um, Ramah is here. Bethel is up here. And then he would go to Gilgal over by the Dead Sea. And then he would come back down to Mizpah. And he would make the circuit every year judging the house of Israel, uh, answering questions and, and dealing with issues and exhorting them to holiness and walking with the Lord. Again, sort of like a governor. He was the last judge of Israel before the monarchy would come, before King Saul would come. But notice verse 17, but he always returned to Ramah. Ramah was where he was born. Ramah was his home. 
for his home was there, and there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar to the Lord. And I love that. I love that, this wonderful character. And as we get into next week, we're going to see Israel's itch for a king like everybody else. We want to be like everybody else. Really? You want to be like, why don't you just be yourself? Isn't that funny how there's teenagers today that say, I just want to, you know, I want to be different, but yet they want to be like everybody else. They got to have everything like everybody else. And I, and I don't blame them for that because I was the same, I did those same things. Kept claiming I wanted to be, I wanted to be my own dog. You know, I wanted to be my own thing. I wanted to be unique, but not really. I want to be like everybody else. I want to wear the same clothes and the same shoes, same music. Same headphones. Got to have the same stuff. But God loves. And I love this. To me, this chapter is really great because I think what we can take away from it is that the blessings of obedience. The blessings of obedience. There's always a blessing for obedience. What does it say in Romans 6.23? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin, I get paid for something. When I sin, I get paid. And what, what do I get paid? Death. It's going to be something, a death of something, a death of a relationship. Maybe even your own physical death. John called that a, a sin of uh, death or, or um, a sin unto death. If you've got a cocaine problem, you've got a heroin problem, you've got a sin unto death because more than likely it's going to take you. But maybe you just got a bitter heart. Maybe you just got an unforgiving heart. That's a slow death. Because sometimes you hold on to that stuff for years. And it just eats at you like a cancer. And there's people in your own house, in your own family, that you're not willing to talk to. And think about this as we come across, come upon Thanksgiving. You're going to be with people. As long as there's not more than ten. You know what? Enjoy Thanksgiving. Don't count heads. Forget all that nonsense. Wash your hands, take your vitamin C, and enjoy the family. For heaven's sakes, stay out of our business. Amen? (laughs) Let's stand together. Blessings of obedience. There's always blessings for obedience. Father, we thank you for this chapter, and we thank you for Samuel. And, Lord, help us, Lord, your children, Lord, to be more submitted to you tomorrow than we were today. Lord, help us to be surrendered to you completely, Lord. Lord, help us to put off those things that we know are evil and to put on those things that we know are good. Put, on, put off those things and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, there's no shame in that at all. But everything else, Lord, the fruit of it was nothing but shame and destruction and pain, agony. But, Lord, your ways are wonderful. They're not always easy. But, Lord, we can rest at night knowing that we have done your will, even if we go through hard times. So, Lord, have your way with us tonight. Thank you for everyone. I pray that you bless every single person here, Father, in abundance. Just overflow them with your grace and your love. Lord, protect them in their health. Lord, protect their family gathering. Lord, bless them immensely. Lord, make this the best Thanksgiving we've ever had. Pour out your spirit upon us as the church, upon this family of ours. Pour out your spirit, Lord, upon this country, Lord. Heal us, God. Remove the things that are evil and pour out your spirit and bless that which remains on everyone, Lord. And bring those 
evildoers to repentance. For they too, like us, we need you, God. We love you and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.